It is so good being together in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, for those of us here gathered, uh, I know that many uh, are choosing to stay home, and so I want to acknowledge you, and I want to welcome you here this morning uh, or whenever you're watching this message. So glad that you found us and that you're uh, tuning in. I uh, pray that this uh, time blesses you and blesses us together. Are we ready? Ready to receive from the Lord? All right. So a couple of years ago, Beverly and I, we had an addition um, built off the back of our home so that Beverly's mom, Jocelyn, could come and live with us. It was awesome. Yes, we agree. Uh, but before this construction project could begin, we needed to hire an architect uh, to draw a blueprint. So um, here's actually the picture of one of the pages of the blueprints. Yeah? Simple enough, right? <laughs> there, there it is. That's, that, that's it. That's uh, one, one of the pages. Uh, we were able then to hire, uh, in our opinion, two excellent contractors who knew how to follow those instructions, which is very impressive. And we think that they did an outstanding job. But you get to judge. So we have two photos. There's what it's supposed to look like on the top. And that's what it ended up looking like on the bottom. How'd they do? All right. So, Chad, yeah, uh, Wyatt, if, I don't think Wyatt's here this morning. Well done. Uh, yes, I agree. <clears throat> All right. Now, suppose for a moment that God woke you up one night and said in, why not, an audible voice, build me a church, or whatever his voice sounds like. <laughs> build me a church. So, where would you get blueprints for building God a church? Yeah. So did you know that the Bible, in addition to containing blueprints for like Noah's Ark, the tabernacle, the temple, it actually has a blueprint for God's church, which I think is totally cool. And you can find this blueprint <clears throat> summed up in the passage we're going to look at this morning, it's Acts chapter 2, 42 to 47. So let me read uh, this passage for us. Acts chapter 2, 42 to 47. This is Luke writing and um, reflecting on what he uh, had uh, observed and heard. And they, that is um, all the people that had just given their life to Christ in response to an amazing message that Peter uh, delivered in the earlier part of Acts 2. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayer. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing their proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. It's a great blueprint of God's church. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we're thankful for this day. God, we're thankful for your word. We're thankful for the 
the, the indwelling presence of your Holy Spirit. Jesus, we are so thankful um, that you have taken upon yourself all of our crud, our sin, our junk. And God, you have clothed us in righteousness, and you've given us a new identity, and you've given us, God, a new, a new purpose in life. And a part of that um, is, is your church and being involved in this thing called the church. And um, so, God, uh, we pray that you would teach us and guide us. I am 100% convinced that I've got nothing that would be able to convince anybody to do anything here. But I have 100% confidence in your ability, God, to be able to use your word to teach us and to move us the way that you want us to be uh, moved. So we open up our hearts and our minds to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, feel free, if you want to, to grab a Bible uh, in the, one of the chairs near you. If you want to, you can just open up to that passage, keep it open, because uh, it won't be up on the screen. But keep it open and look at it and, um, as, uh, as I'm uh, making some comments on this passage, Acts 2, 42 to 47. So <clears throat> at first glance, this uh, passage actually may not appear to be any kind of a blueprint like Chad that you might be familiar with, right? Because it doesn't mention like the dimension of the buildings, like where the doors should go or the windows, how thick the walls should be, what kind of material the, you know, the floor should be made of. It doesn't talk about like the numbers of parking spaces that this building requires. It doesn't talk about the height of the steeple. It doesn't talk about the thickness of the pews or the type of fabric on these beautiful chairs, right? It doesn't talk about any of that. So how could this be a blueprint for a church? Well, right, it's because it's the obvious. This blueprint isn't describing a church building. It's describing the church. And as we know, the church is not a building. This is the reason why I'm really particular. When we say, where do you guys want to meet? Let's meet at the church. You mean the church building? <laughs> hey, you're going to go to church? No, I'm going to go to the church building to meet with the church. I get pretty uh, particular about the language so that we don't get confused. If you're a follower of Jesus, God has already called you to serve under Christ who is building his church through your active participation according to the gifts that the Holy Spirit has entrusted to you. And he's inviting you to do this in the context of his church. And New Hope Community Church is just one expression of his church. And we get to use his gifts and our time and our talents here. And that's a joy, right? Acts 2, 42 to 47. <clears throat> it's, it's the earliest description of the New Testament church that we have. And I think it's a beautiful blueprint of how the Holy Spirit inspired the early Christ followers to live in community with one another, and with those around them in, in the greater uh, area of Jerusalem. Blueprints, however, can be complicated to read. 
and that was my illustration. They can be complicated. As a result, they usually include multiple pages. Ours did, multiple pages. Everyone was just as confusing to me as the next. But each page of the blueprint, as I understood it, just was depicting sort of a different stage uh, of the project or a different section of the project. So in a similar way, we're going to be looking at God's blueprint here in Acts 2, 42 to 47, God's blueprint for a biblically functioning church in four pages. And I'm indebted actually to a, a theologian, John Stott, who kind of introduced me to this way of of labeling it. So I'm using his labels. The four pages are simply uh, the church is a uh, learning community, it's a worshiping community, it's a loving community, and it's a witnessing community. Okay, now I can go to sleep. That's my message. Okay, learning, worshiping, uh, uh, loving, and witnessing community. Those are the four pages of the blueprint. All right. If you're going to choose to stay awake, we're going to dive into the first page. Here we go. Uh, the biblical church, it's a learning community. The biblical church is a learning community. The first thing that we read in this passage is that uh, all of them, the new believers as well as those who are already a part of the church, and there were about 120 of them, so there were about 3,000 who had just come to faith in Christ after Peter's message in Acts 2. Imagine 3,000 being added to your church in one day. On top of the 120, that's about the size of our church in 120. Imagine suddenly 3,000 people being added. Um, there's a challenge for you. So, but all of them, it says, were devoted to the apostles' teaching. So you just have to pause and you say, huh, I wonder what they were teaching. What was it that they were devoted to? That's a really good question. So, um, of course, we don't have outlines of their sermons or anything like that, but we get clues as to what they were teaching. For instance, just a couple of months earlier, Jesus was very clear in what he wanted them to teach. You might remember Matthew 28, the Great Commission. Go, make disciples, baptize them, teach them to observe everything that I've commanded. So you can be quite certain, we can be certain that these apostles were teaching from the very life of Jesus and the things that he had been teaching and the things that they had learned under, um, under his uh, instructions. We could be sure that, the, uh, that these new followers of Jesus were learning all about uh, the significance of Jesus' life and death and resurrection and the ways in which it fulfilled uh, the Old Testament prophecies and completed the Old Testament just as Peter had preached in Acts 2. It's a beautiful message from the Old Testament leading and pointing right to Jesus. So quite certain that this is what was going on, and they're devoted to this. A church built by following God's blueprint in Acts will have as one of its main characteristics strong biblical teaching. Do you agree with this? Would you settle for anything less? Good. Good answer. And we are to lean into learning as much as we possibly can. 
the new converts weren't getting into subjective experiences that led them to dis- disregard serious study of God's word, like, oh, I just want to, like, worship, and, you know, and that's good for me, or I just want to have pictures and dreams, and, and that's good, or warm fuzzies, and that's good. So they weren't falling into sort of um, that air. Nor did they begin to think that because they had the Holy Spirit as, they, as their teacher, that they didn't need human teachers. That's another mistake that a lot of people make. Rather, they were eager to learn God's objective truth about himself, their relationship to him, and to one another, and how they were to live as Christ followers throughout the week. And so they were devoted to this. The word devoted... Um, it just means they were devoted. <laughs> um, it means that they were doing this continuously. That's actually what it means in the Greek. They were doing this continuously without stop. So like every day you're thinking, how can I learn more from God's word today? That's their devotion. And they were doing it in community. And of course they were doing it as much as they could um, uh, when, when they weren't together. They were devoted to, uh, we can see in this passage, you can see it too. They're devoted also to fellowship, to the, to the people that they were in fellowship with, to the breaking of bread and praying together. In other words, this community, they met together on a regular basis. Often, in fact, it says that they met daily together in the temple and regularly in small groups, in people's homes. And it's... No doubt in my mind, anyways, that it's while they're meeting, spending all this time together, especially in people's homes, that, as it says, they're sharing food, they're, they're doing life together, they're ex- uh, having common experiences. It's in this, in this context that they're remembering the significance of Christ's death. They're probably taking communion together regularly, not just once a month, or maybe even not just once a week but maybe daily. Uh, We don't know how frequently, but it's a common thing. You gather with Christians and you're going to have a meal and you're going to remember Christ's death and resurrection together. And so you're going to probably maybe have what we now call communion together. And they were praying. They didn't have special prayer meetings. There wasn't like a special prayer revival service. They just, when they met, they prayed. It was just something they did, and it just came natural to them, like breathing or like eating. And this was, this was just all kind of a natural part of their um, spiritual rhythm together. The first page of God's blueprint for biblically functioning church is its devotion to learning together and applying God's word. Okay, so before we turn the page and we look at the next page, I just want to give us a moment because I know that this is a struggle for some of us. Being learners of God's word. Um, it's, it's one degree of struggle coming to church and sitting and listening to a message. But it's another thing to discipline yourself and to actually spend five minutes or ten minutes a day just in God's word. And becoming a learner of God's word for yourself. And I, that's a struggle. Not for all of you, but I know for some of you. And so... Um, we're in a new year. Happy New Year, by the way. 
We're in a new year, and we're only now in our second week, so it's not too late. I think this is a good time. Are there some adjustments that you can make, maybe in your schedule, your priorities, to say, you know what, I'm going to actually try to become a better learner of God's word this year. So could we just pause? And I'm just going to give you a moment to think about that. And then we'll go to uh, page two. <clears throat> I do want to say that um, Aaron and I are deeply committed to making sure that we provide every week um, sound teaching from the Word of God. From one of us or from somebody else, we're deeply committed to that. So we're going to do our level best to keep strong biblical teaching happening here at our church. But again, uh, this is not enough. And so uh, each one of us, we need to be students of God's word. So amen? Yeah, good? All right. That's page one of the blueprint. Um, let's turn the page and go to uh, page two. A biblical church is a worshiping community. In Acts 2, 42 to 47, um, you, you just got to notice who gets all the credit for the amazing things that are happening um, in the life of this church. Who was receiving the accolades uh, for the success of the church? Well, the apostles are mentioned, but they're not mentioned by name. Um, so, like, it wasn't like Peter's great teaching and they're all jazzed to get to church so that they can hear Peter, right? Or one of the other apostles. Um, I'm sure that the teaching was great, but that's not who was getting the credit for what was going on. Um, whoever was in charge that a compassionate ministry was doing a phenomenal job, as we're going to read about next. But the person in charge of the compassionate ministry wasn't getting, like, mentioned in this passage. Whoever was overseeing their evangelism or their outreach, holy moly. I mean, they were killing it, but they didn't get mentioned. There's only really one person that gets mentioned in this passage. Who's that? Yeah, repeatedly. God. Verse 43, they were in awe of God working miraculous signs that were being done through the apostles, but it was God's miracles that were being done through these mere mortals. They were continuously um, praising God, and, and it was, the, and it was um, the Lord that was causing people to respond by faith in, in receiving salvation. They're praying. This is a worshiping community. Yeah, it's all about God. So with God's help, uh, our church, we're going to do our level best to foster an environment of worship when we're together every Sunday morning. Obviously with music, that's, an, uh, that's clear the way that we're trying to do this. But even in the teaching of God's word, even the way in which we spend time with one another, interacting with one another, that's all worship. The way that we're doing uh, junior church, that's worship. The way that we're doing nerd, this is all worship. And we're, all to, we're definitely trying to the best that we can to create an environment where God is getting praised and worshiped. So this means that we're going to prepare our services in ways that we hope and pray uh, honors God. It means that we're going to look for opportunities uh, for stories of God's faithfulness to be shared so that um, God can receive all the praise. And that's why I loved, I watched it online when Bill came down last week and he gave a testimony. Just a simple testimony of something that happened that was a God thing. 
And Bill said it was a God thing. And I praise God for that. And it was a testimony of God's faithfulness. This is worship. This is worship. And Bill led us in worship together. And that was uh, so beautiful. So a church grows into a worshiping community when the participants of that church become worshiping Christians. When? All the time. (laughs) All the time. Not just when we're gathered Sunday mornings. As a chain is strong only when its links are strong, so a church gathered on Sunday morning will be a worshiping community to the degree the scattered church is worshiping the rest of the week. So just to um, pull the curtain back in my life a little bit, um, this is how I try to worship God throughout the week uh, when I'm not with you. Uh, I've mentioned before that my day not because I plan it this way, but it always begins with Psalm 18, 118, verse 24. This is the day that we did it in our prayer meeting this morning. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad. And that's the way my day begins. I, I don't plan it that way. It just happens. Um, so my day begins immediately with worship. Um, and I thank God for that. I also try giving thanks to God, like many of you, um, throughout the day for as many things that I can think of. And there's an endless list, isn't there, Donna? Endless list of things to give thanks to God for. Um, Recently, I've been praising God for the freedom of pain in my arms, shoulder, and upper back that I've been dealing with, actually, for two years. I'm pain-free, and I give thanks to God for that. Yeah, yeah, I worship him for that. It's amazing being able to sleep um, in multiple positions now. (laughs) I don't take that for granted. I've been praising him for the remarkable relational healing that's taken place in my family since my dad's death. It's amazing, and I give thanks to God for that. I've been praising him for the remarkable uh, ways that I'm seeing God at work in, in our own family um, and in my neighbors and coworkers and um, uh, fellow musicians and, and complete strangers, I just give thanks to God for the ways that I'm seeing him at work. I try routinely to give credit for the blessings that are in my life. There's a lot of blessings that I have received uh, in life. Um, for my wife, Beverly, hello, sweetheart. Uh, for our daughter, Alyssa, and our son um, and daughter-in-law, Sean and Deanna, I just give thanks to God for them. Uh, for, for you guys, church family, give thanks to you, uh, to God for you guys. Uh, for great friends, for meaningful work, uh, for the house that we live in, cars that we drive, food on the table, for insulin. Uh, I'm a type 1 diabetic for the ability to make music with great musicians, and on and on and on. Just so many blessings. I just give thanks to God um, for for these blessings. These are just ways that I try to worship God um, throughout, throughout my day. The Apostle Paul said, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, your eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an act of worship. It's an act of worship. Romans uh, 12. So before moving on to the third page of God's blueprint, let's just reflect on how we're doing individually on this one. One way of asking this um, is, would those who know you best, and I don't mean to step on toes, but this is just the way it came out. 
Um, so now I got you interested. What's he going to say? For those who know you best, do they think of you as a whiner, as a worrier, or as a worshiper? Probably could be other words that begin with W that you could choose. <laughs> but a whiner, a worrier, or a worshiper. <clears throat> Um, so I want you to think about uh, that. And again, you know, we're in a new year. I just think that this is a great opportunity. There's nothing magical about this time of year. It's a good time of year, though. God, how could I grow to be a person who worships you 24-7? So let's just, uh, I'm just going to give you a moment again. Talk to God about this. Let him talk to you. Page one of God's blueprint for a biblically functioning church instructions to be a learning community. Page two. Uh, shows us that we are to be a worshiping community. Now to, let's go to page three. Biblical church is a loving church. Oh, I love this one. It's a loving church. Here are, um, here are verses 44 and 45 again. And all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were, um, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. So this is just simply very practical expressions of love. I'm sure that they were showing each other love in lots of different ways, but this is one way that they were committed to showing love to one another. One person describes this expression of love as being irrational because it makes no natural sense to give so sacrificially to another. Just doesn't make sense uh, to do that. <clears throat> but, right, isn't it in the very nature of God who showed this kind of love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us? <clears throat> it isn't this the way Jesus commands us to love one another. Jesus said, a new command I give you, that you are to love one another just as I have loved you, you are to love one another. So what's our standard for loving one another? God's standard of love. Not like how they're doing. Well, I'm doing a little better than they are. Or I'm, you know, whatever. Right? God's standard is our standard individually and as a church. And, and um, yeah, Holy Spirit, speak to us about that. We, uh, as a church, and, you know, I'm on the leadership team here at the church, we're going to do whatever we can to make sure that um, this kind of God love continues within New Hope. But, of course, we can't control this. We can't make people love the way that God calls us to love. We can preach about love, and we can tell occasional stories but we can ultimately make us love one another the way that we are loved in Christ Jesus. So, for instance, if people here refuse to forgive somebody or one another, if people here choose to hold grudges against somebody here, if, if people here choose to gossip about people here or intentionally not include people here, or in so many other ways, not care or share or offer prayer for people here, right? We can't control that. We're limited. This is something that we just need to talk to God about and ask for his help. Um, all the preaching on love, if we're not doing it, and again, when I say we're, I'm like, 
I'm part of us. Um, if, if we're not doing it, then preaching on love, I, I'm using Paul's language. We're just, it's a noisy gong. It's a clanging cymbal. It's obnoxious. It almost, it's like it doesn't belong. It doesn't go with the music. The Apostle Paul's words uh, to us maybe would be something like, even if we had prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if we have faith so as to remove mountains, but we have not love, then New Hope Community Church, we are nothing. If we were to give away all that we have and were to deliver up our bodies to be sacrificed, but we have not loved, then New Hope, we gain nothing. For God's love and the way we are to love one another is patient and kind. This love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with truth. God's love and the love that we are to have for one another here at New Hope bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Now, some people, especially in the Western countries, have criticized the way the early church cared for each other. Can you believe it? <clears throat> to them, it smells too much like socialism or communism. And you get this. Go online. Watch some YouTube videos of people criticizing, Christians criticizing Acts 2, 42 to 47, because it's preaching socialism or communism. There you go. That's what makes this expression of love seem so irrational, especially to us independent, self-sufficient Americans where what's mine is mine, so back off. It's true that the way we're to love one another is countercultural, but, friends, it is not socialism or communism. Study socialism and communism and then come back and look at this passage. They're very different. But if we are to label Acts 2, 42, 47 um, as something, we could use the word, and I kind of like it. It's a little cute. We could refer to it as biblical communityism. <laughs> So one way that we try to live out biblical communityism here is through our benevolence fund. Uh, this is a pool of money, most of you know about this, where, that you can donate to at any time. Um, and, uh, and it goes directly, 100% of it goes directly to people in our church or in our community that come to us that are in need. It's a phenomenal way that we together pool our resources to help people in need, the Benevolence Fund. It's awesome. Uh, if you haven't given to it recently, just write out a check and put Benevolence Fund and put it in one of those boxes that Aaron mentioned. Our church also recently raised funds that were sent to help with hurricane relief efforts. This is awesome. We're pooling together resources. We're working hard to do a... Um, uh, a uh, rummage sale, and, and, um, and we bless people uh, outside of our church community. That's awesome. We're hoping to soon uh, resettle a refugee family. That's going to take a lot of time and commitment and money. And we're committed to this, and that's awesome. Our church gives generously in time and money to support the Potsdam Snack Pack program. 
that week after week provides healthy snack options to children from under-resourced families. I think these are just great examples of ways that we as a church um, are expressing biblical communityism. (laughs) So well done, well done. Let's just keep doing this. Our church leaders, we're going to continue to do everything that we can to facilitate this kind of God love within New Hope Community Church. But again, we can only lead you, us, to the water. It's as far as we can get. (laughs) Um, Whether you love in this way is, is ultimately it's your choice. It's not my choice. It's your choice whether you are going to love the way that you have been loved by God through Jesus. So, again, you now understand. I'm going to pause after every page. How are you loving people here at New Hope and showing God's love to people in our community? So I think that this is just a great time. What are some new habits of love that maybe you could incorporate into your life? Ways that your love could become just a bit stronger in this new year. So I'm going to just, uh, let's talk to God about this one, and then we'll turn to page four. So we are to grow to be a learning community, a worshiping community, a loving community. Now page four, biblical church is a witnessing church. Everybody excited about this one? All right, good. At least there's six. Amen. That's good. All right. I appreciate that Acts 2, 42 to 47 describes uh, the, the, the early church um, here, but it never mentions or gives any details about, right, the evangelistic services that this church did, their tent meetings, their coffee house outreaches, their street evangelism, their whatever, their gospel tracts, the gospel blimps, the four laws, the... Nothing about strategy, events. It's silent. It's pretty cool. All it says is that they praised God, they had favor with all the people, and that folks were getting saved daily. That's all we're given in this description, this blueprint. I'm delighted. I am so delighted. By the way, and I know I share this with you, by the way that our church worships God, praises God, by helping to support uh, so many things that benefits this community. I just think of the back-to-school fair. Yeah, it's awesome. This is a witness to the community, friends. Um, The way in which we throw this annual block party, um, that's awesome. A lot of people really appreciate that. The ways in which we uh, do these rummage sales that I mentioned earlier that benefit people in need, uh, that's awesome. The way in which we generously open up our buildings, uh, our building here to WIC, uh, AA, New Horizon Bands, and hopefully soon to the American Red Cross for blood drives. Um, Yeah, pretty, really cool. Um, These acts of services have helped give our church in this community a positive reputation. Yay. You have no idea how hard you have to work these days as a church to have a positive reputation in the community. And our church, by and large, has a positive reputation. Thanks be to God. Not everyone likes us, and that's not the goal. We're trying to be faithful to Jesus. 
but we have, a, uh, uh, we have favor with many, many people, including our neighbors. People like the fact that we're here, and they appreciate that. So again, um, well done. Um, great job. Thank you, Lord. However, <laughs> have you noticed, we are not seeing many people come to faith in Jesus, due in part to our church's ministry. Am I the only one missing this? Do you see this too? All right, so the blueprint says that we're to be a witnessing community, and in the early church, anyways, they were seeing many people come to faith in Christ. I would say we are not seeing many people come to faith in Christ. So what do we need to do? I say that we should start an evangelist campaign. What about you? How about a tent meeting? How about some evangelistic pamphlets? <sighs> All right, let's try something else then. We can't make a person become a Christian. We all know that. We know we cannot convert a single person. But we can invite people who don't yet know Jesus. We can invite them to dinner, share a meal with them, let them get to know us, maybe get an opportunity to share God's goodness and faithfulness in our lives. Maybe if you don't want to have people over to a home, maybe you could share a meal with them at some local restaurant. We can't make someone say yes to Jesus, but we can ask them if they'd be interested someday in coming to church with us. There's a couple of extra chairs we're reserving just for your friends. Maybe, maybe we can invite some of our friends to church. We can't force someone to attend a church service or a home group Bible study with us, but we can pray like no one's business that God opens up their heart to maybe someday saying yes to our invitation. The early church we saw, they prayed. I have a sneaky suspicion that they were doing a lot of praying about those who were far from God, that someday God would open up their hearts and their minds to know Jesus. <clears throat> and of course, when we sense the time is right, we can always invite people if they'd be interested in following Jesus. We can do this. This we can do. We are limited in what we can do, but we're unlimited in a lot of other ways. There are many things that we can do to help people come closer to Jesus. And, um, and that's, uh, that's, that's our prayer, that, this, that that would be true for not just us up here, but for us as a church, that we would own this reality that maybe actually some of us would grieve, would lament the reality that we are not seeing people come to faith in Jesus. I do think that this breaks the Father's heart in the same way that it brings joy and delight to him when one is saved. Um, and so I think it's good for us to say, you know what, church, we can do better. And according to the blueprint, we sh should do better. Um, but it can't come from here. It needs to come from us together saying, God, what can I do? Who can I invite over? Who can I be praying for on a more regular basis? Who can I do something good and kind for, you know, a good deed? Who could I invite to church? Who could I invite to a home group? Um, who could I, you know, who could I invite to trust Jesus as their Lord and Savior? Yeah, these are, these are all things that we can do. So um, final quiet time. Uh, is there somebody that's come to mind? And what is it that you could do maybe in the next week or two? That might help this person take a step closer to Jesus. Let's just talk to God about this. It'd be awesome to have the worship team come on down and 
him to lead us in our final few songs. <clears throat> I'm going to go back to Wyatt and Chad. Um, sometimes I like picking on them, but I'm not picking on you this morning, Chad. You did a great job. And, um, and because they knew how to read the blueprints that were entrusted to them, um, Beverly and I, Beverly's mom, uh, we now, um, we all have a really nice place to live in. And we also have a really nice place that we love to share with other people. We just love to share with other people. As your pastors here at New Hope, we're going to continue to do our very best to follow God's blueprint for a biblically functioning church. So if you want to know, like, I wonder what the pastors are up to, just look at Acts 2, 42 to 47, read that. We're, we're just trying to follow God's blueprint. But we understand that our best will not be enough. We know that. In this new year, we are going to need everyone who calls New Hope their home church, those here, those online, to grow as learner of God's word, as worshipers of our amazingly worthy God, as people who love like never before in the name of Jesus, and as people who figure out how to hold out the hope of the gospel to a world that is dying without Jesus. This is what we need new hope to become and to grow in in this year. Yeah? Imagine, imagine what God could do with a church like this. We read about it in Acts. What if it happened today? Imagine the difference in this world if the church globally acted like Acts 2, 42 to 47. I firmly believe that as we grow together toward maturity in Christ in these ways, we are going to see God do new and great and marvelous works in and through us. I'm absolutely convinced of that. But my hope is not in our ability to do this. I know you. <laughs> I know myself. My hope is not in us. Rather, my hope, and I believe our hope, is in Jesus who is the one who is building his church against whom the gates of hell will not prevail. That's a strong force. But Jesus says, I'm going to build my church, and even that force will not destroy it. That's good news. And it's to him, it's to Jesus, who is able to do far more abundantly than any of us could ask, think, or dream it's according to his power that's at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever.